right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of TLDR Podcast. It's the one after the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Friends reference. Got there it. There you go. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Super Bowl was last night. Uh, Tom Brady again wins it again. Uh, James, as our football guy, how you feeling now that football season's officially over? Uh, it's bittersweet. Uh, mostly because that's a lot of information each and every week, but also I love football. So the fact that that's now gone for a couple months is very sad. But on the bright side, it means my Niners have a f- fresh slate for next season. So hey, that's true. Good. They're yeah. undefeated so far. They are undefeated. <laughs> they are undefeated so them. far. Yeah, but so are the Jags. So that is very <laughs> true. Yeah, the next kind of like the next big thing will be the moving up into the, the draft. draft. Uh, Trading. How was your Super Bowl Sunday? How's the weekend? It was good. Um, I have to say that the game was a little bit of a letdown. I think that our beer pong slash snap games we played yesterday were more competitive and entertaining than the football <laughs> game, but that was, that's just me. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, won probably every single one of them. didn't have like hundreds of millions of people watching you, but <laughs> no, but it, it definitely was closer. <laughs> yeah, for, real. <laughs> for real. Uh, Eric, how was your, uh, how was your week, your Super Bowl week weekend? It's good. Uh, weekend was was pretty trash. We uh, we meaning the Clippers uh, blew a sixteen point lead to the Celtics, um, which was great to uh, cap off the Friday night. And then Sunday, we played a game uh, right before the Super Bowl uh, against Sacramento Kings. Probably nobody watched it, and we lost also. So, uh, well, let me say one thing though. We've talked about it before. Offensive line. How important are they? Uh, Chiefs didn't have that going for them at all. And also another thing we talked about, defense wins games, Buccaneers defense. Holy shit. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, throwback to the last couple of pods. Uh, and our last guy, Tyler, how you doing? Doing great. Uh, just made some delicious soup. I tried for the first soup. time from little, little HelloFresh, no free ads. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, so sipping on that. Also, we have to look back at the taste, but I'm pretty sure this might be the first time that all five of us are wearing hats on the podcast. So hmm. I might be wrong about that. Check Ch- damn it, James. Check James. Tape. Well, at the start of it, we we're all wearing hats. So did you get the Both soup little from observation. Subway, Tyler? No, Hello Fresh. Uh, okay. Well, well good I, thing I, I don't like that. Subway. So good. <laughs> yeah, your shirt says otherwise. <laughs> Oh, well, Tyler, for two things, yeah. Tyler waved when I asked him how he was doing yeah. and now just brought up us all wearing hats. And this is a podcast where people listen to it and typically don't look at us that much. So true good job. You have uh, that no one views, but we still yeah. have it. So. Yeah, that is that is very true. <laughs> um, so I'll just I got to go. I'm going to go over a couple things before we get into the meat of it. So I'll do the basketball fantasy updates uh, since we're not going to do a basketball segment. I finally lost. I'm now six and one. Woo! I feel like everyone's super pumped on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. James is five and two. Uh, Tyler's two and five, and Traden is two and five. Uh, <laughs> and then this has nothing to do with the podcast, but I have to tell you guys this story. Uh, so Friday night, I go out to get a cocktail because things are finally reopened. Going out to dinner, I get a call from my neighbor, and he's like, "Yo, your stove is running." And literally, my first thought is. Oh yeah, man. Should I go catch it? Like one of those stupid jokes, you know, somehow my dog has 
jumped up and turned our gas stove on. Wow. Lit That's the, impressive. Lit the flame. And luckily the flame was under our teapot. So the teapot was, you know, like screaming after the water was boiling and our neighbors could hear it. And then I had to drive all the way back home, open the door, go back in thinking, dude, I don't know. Maybe there's gas everywhere. I don't know what's going on. Dog didn't even give a shit. Was just like, oh, cool. Someone's home and just ran outside in the front yard. <laughs> Is that not the craziest yeah. thing you've ever heard? Like, That's insane. Did he put the craziest thing is they have a teapot. Too. Why do you have a teapot? Hey, we have a teapot. Male, James. What? For an adult man. But it's an electric teapot. You no. can make coffee with it too, not just tea, James. Dude, hot cocoa? Use it for instant oatmeal. Why you just get a coffee maker? I have a coffee maker. Or just maker. go to Starbucks um, or something. Yeah, not all. Yeah, that too. <laughs> a yeah. teapot. I got Short one. Still. <laughs> okay, see, so three out of the. Tyler makes soup with his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I guess the actual question for you, James, is why don't you have a teapot? Yeah, yeah, that's more what it's because <laughs> I'm, I'm America, not England. Come on, man! <laughs> wow, damn! <laughs> to all of our Shots. English listeners, I am so sorry. <laughs> Ted Lasso, bro. Ted Lasso, dude. Show. He Great. hates tea. Okay, well, moving on from that, I thought you guys started to hear that story. I thought it was funny. I, I like that. That was good. Thanks, bud. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we come back. Eric is gonna talk about the grind of sports. Uh, and which ones takes the highest toll on your body. Uh, so we'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Tyler's sipping on his soup down there doing his thing. Uh, cool. But this is Eric's segment. Fuck Tyler. Uh, <laughs> I'll just go back to my soup then. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so, Eric, so you're going to take us through a debate on the grind of sports. Um, what position it, you know, is the biggest grind it takes on the mind and the body. Uh, take it away. Yeah, um, we can call it a debate. We can call it like a summarizing, a plot twist, whatever. We're just going to we're going to discuss. We're going to be organic. Tyler's eating his organic veggie soup from Subway. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, bringing up this segment to bring about what it means to be on the grind in sports. Um, if you think of sports, there's always a grind involved, no matter what position, what season, what time of year. Um, I think that, you know, having the sport, having sports, being a fan of sports, um, you can appreciate the grind. And this is kind of what builds and makes the athletes who they are in this world. Um Right off the bat, no pun intended, baseball season is around the corner. We'll get to that later. But, um, you know, I'm thinking of what is the toughest sport position um, physically that just literally grinds your body down. Uh, I feel like we've kind of talked about this before. I would have to say the hockey goalie. Um, the amount of things it takes uh, is endless. I've heard stories about Jonathan Quick, like his daily schedule. Um, it's like prehab corrective exercise sessions, uh, yoga and flexibility mobility sessions, um, doing all your team activities, lifts, lifting your, you know, there's a lot of things required uh, that maybe people don't think about behind the curtains. Um, you know, he, this guy eats pucks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's literally his job as a hockey goalie. Um, you got to slide doing the splits. You got to play three uh, 20 minute periods a night. Uh, with the best guys in the world shooting 
100 mile per hour pucks at you constantly like a good game for a goalie is like oh he had 40 saves tonight you know and oh he still let in two goals but he blocked like 45 shots uh they got back to backs the list goes on um james you're a tough guy pretty much um <laughs> thanks dude but, uh, i guess <laughs> yeah what, what is your toughest sport position uh, i'm gonna go with catcher for baseball uh you're out there for nine innings. That's going to be a little bit longer than your 20 or 20 minute periods. You're squatting. You're getting up from a squat. You're literally throwing the ball after each and every pitch. And you're not throwing it very fast, but the fact of the matter is it's still grinding down your body. That's what, does anybody have the numbers on that? How many times the catcher throws the ball back to the pitcher per game? Probably got to be 100 to 50, 200 times. Correct. Maybe yeah. Very. It would vary, correct. But the fact of the matter is that's <laughs> 150 to 200 times per game getting up from a squat. You're getting a ball thrown at you that reaches like 103 miles an hour, depending on the pitcher. And you got to make adjustments on the spot. And on top of that, you still got to hit. So you have to be mentally engaged. You got to call the pitches. You got to do what you got to do. And you got to block them sometimes. And it's like these catches play multiple games in a row. If you have two good catches, then you get a day off. But they play a lot. And that's a 162 game season. That's a lot of time being a catcher. So I think the catching, being a catcher is the toughest grind on somebody. That's a good point. So you're telling me 162 times a year, you have to sit in a squat position for the majority of like three hours. And then you do like 200 squats per game. So whatever that is times 162 times three to four hours times the amount of too much math, too much numbers. But <laughs> I believe you, that does seem like a pretty tough position. Uh, Alex, you're a, you're a baseball guy. I'm interested to hear what your toughest position would be in sports. Yeah. You know, I thought a catcher um, and I was going to say it. And then when James started saying it, I started thinking about, I was like, damn, I got to think something else. Uh, so I'm going to go with any offensive lineman in football. Uh, you obviously don't play as many games. It's only 16 compared to 162. But we talked about it uh, last week how they literally can't play more than once a week or they'll they literally their bodies can't keep up with it. Um, and I'm literally just thinking about anyone has to block Aaron Donald. Like you're literally getting <laughs> destroyed by a car like for, you know, four hours. I mean, I know obviously they get a break when their team is on defense, but – I mean, they – because, you know, the defensive line obviously is running into the offensive line most of the time. So, they're the ones, like, taking all the force of the defensive line coming down on them. And, I mean, those guys are insane. Like, it's nuts how much they have to put up with. And they play at, you know, weights of, like, 300 to 350 pounds. Like, that's a lot of mass going on on all your joints um, and just a lot of weight. So, I'm going to go offensive yeah. linemen. Yeah, a lot of load, they would yeah, say, exactly. is that big science term nowadays. Um, you know, we're like almost scientists on this podcast with all of our expert knowledge. But yeah, Lyman is a good one. Plus, uh, I feel like you see a lot of pretty uh, gnarly injuries with them. A lot of times, too, it's pretty accidental. You know, some guy gets shoved into their knees and they're just doing their job blocking some guy. And, you know, the fullback gets gets hit by the linebacker, shoved right in their knee. It's sometimes unfortunate, but yeah, that's a grind of a position. You're, you're having car wrecks every, every fucking battle at the line. Uh, Tyler, you're also a tough guy, I believe. Um, what? Oh God. <laughs> Thanks your Chris. veggie soup. Uh, what's <laughs> your toughest position? 
All right. Well, I was going to say catcher, then James took that. And then my backup was O-lineman, and Alex took that. I'm going to go a little bit out of the box here. And I'm going gonna, gonna to go with a rugby player. Um, I recently worked a rugby tournament and got to see up close how intense that sport is and how rough it is on your body. Um, I'll just for a little bit of quote story, we had this one hour where we had an ACL tear, an Achilles rupture, a, a, a C-spine injury, and two fractures all within about an hour and a half of each other. Um, so it's it just the amount of just absolute contact that goes on constantly. If you, if, you ever, if you ever watch rugby, they don't really stop for about, you know, 20 minutes at a time. They got, I think it's 20 minute halves and they just go all out for 20 minutes. They got a little bit of a break and then they go out all out for, for 20 minutes again. And the ball doesn't really stop unless it goes out of bounds. And even when it goes out of bounds, they quickly get it back in. And it's just, it's a constant, constant movement. Uh, so think kind of like football, but without the stoppage. And it's just constant, constant, constant. Um, so I'm going to have to go with, with a rugby player. Yeah, the, those scrums. Uh, I want to get to understand rugby more. Like the scrums just seem like a big, giant, like WWE Royal Rumble match, like every time the Pretty ball's on the ground. Yeah. And then, yeah, I had a buddy, shout out my buddy Romans. Like he just fucking like broke, he plays rugby, he gets hurt every other weekend, and he just like broke his foot one time. He's just limping around on it. He's like, I think it's good. I think it's fine. We kept telling him to get x-rays. Like, it pretty much all the signs were pointing that he just had a broken foot. He's just walking around on it, thinking it's fine. Uh, Trading, last but not least, give me your toughest athlete position. I'm guessing it's hopefully going to be hockey, just like mine. Uh, it's actually not going to be hockey. Um, how about the grind of athletic trainers in, in, in pro sports, especially the NFL? I feel like they're working, like, every single play because there's a freaking injury in every play, but – um, I'm going to, you know, Alex took mine. I, mine was the O-line, but then I had, then I thought about it and I'm going to give it to the running back of a, of a, of a, of a football team, just, at, you know, like a one B type of situation here, because I mean, they're the average career length is, is less, is almost like just over two and a half years because they're taking the, they're taking the ball. And the difference is they're not rated. The, they're generally not rated the line. So they have a little bit more of a running start and they're running into brick walls, literal brick walls, trying to just gain, you know, three yards, four yards, like that little amount of yardage for the amount of pounding your body takes is it takes a toll on you. And, uh, you know, the, the, every, it seems like every running back, especially, I mean, we saw it this year. So every running back has fa faced injuries. It felt, feel, felt like, and especially those, those, you know, top level, top level running backs, um, they have to face big, big dudes. And, and not only that, but also have to ha make some skilled plays, make some, there's some decision-making involved. So there's a little mental side to it. That's a, you know, that can be a bit of a grind while you're also trying to just, you know, physically just will your way up the field. So I'm going to give it to the running back on this one. Yeah. I mean, you look at Todd Gurley, literally like grinded his knees away. Um, Shout out to Todd Gurley. I hope I hope you do well. I hope you have a good season this year, uh, whatever's left of your career. Um, let's get right to the next question of the debate. I'm going to go with trading first. Uh, which sport um, is the hardest season of a grind to get through unscathed? So, like, you know, for me, I'm going to go football. Yeah. Um, yeah everything in football has to go right. Like, even if you just have the top squad, uh, you have to have everything. You have to have things fall into place. You have to have a little bit of luck to get to that final game. And even getting to that final game, you always like see 
there's some pieces that are missing, you know. I mean, we just talked to O-linemen. Uh, the Chiefs, their starting tackle, had a ruptured Achilles the game before they got to the Super Bowl. I think the Bucs had a couple of guys on defense that were out for them. Um, but for me, I got to go with football. You know, it's, it's so many guys coming – come and go with on the injury list um trade and what you got well i'm gonna i i i'm gonna have to call you know you called you took mine again <laughs> so i'm gonna have to go <laughs> with something else but I'll, I'll take hockey this time um specifically the nhl just that long it's a long grueling season typically it's 82 games in this case it's actually even it's truncated at 56 but they're playing four or five games in a week i mean we've never seen them play this many games um and that takes a toll on you. And, oh, and by the way, once you get to the playoffs, I mean, it has historically been the hardest trophy to win in sports. And typically we're seeing, we're, we're not seeing, you know, towards the end of the, of the playoffs here, you will see it. You'll see the play of the game. The integrity of the game is not quite as, you know, open as it, as it usually is. It's, it's a battle of attrition. It's a battle of who, of who can handle the pain more. And that, that's why I think that that's why I put the NHL right up there with, with the NFL. No, they're not playing as many games. They're not facing the same type of, uh, you know, intensity in terms of the, the hitting, so to speak on, on a minute by minute basis. But in terms of the long stretch of the, of the season, I, I think it, I think it's more of a grind than, than the NBA personally, but the different sports. So. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Just, just the impacts and different things. Um, Especially, I love seeing you see those, you know, four overtime games in the playoffs. Just, just a straight grind. I wonder how many times I've used the word grind so far. There's more to come. Tyler, both. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> uh, yeah, be baseball. Just the amount of time. It's just the amount of days that they don't have off. They, they they have very very few days off. I think that's what makes it really tough. Um, obviously, the game of baseball isn't quite as high paced and and as contact heavy as some of these other sports are and that's the reason why they don't have as many days off but i think just mentally you know and physically too it's just a different type of you know wear and tear in your body and 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 in your mind when you don't have any days off um and it's just constant you know six seven days a week for you know five or six months depending on how long your season goes um and that doesn't include you know spring training that lasts forever um, and it's, it, it, it's a long, long season, um, with like, and I just, with, with very little break, um, games are long, days are long. It's just a long marathon of a grind. So I'm gonna have to go with baseball on that one. Yeah, it is a straight marathon. It's basically half a year, um, you know, playing that sport. Like you said, the spring training, all that, and the training camp is like, you know, a whole nother, like whole nother month or two of time. So, you know, it's probably like 200 days out of the, out of the year that you're, you know, dedicated to work. So that is, that is a tough one that might take the cake. Alex, what do you got? Yeah, I, it's hard. I really, I think it's football, to be honest. I mean, look at some of these star athletes getting hurt in the first game and missing all these, you know, the entire season. Um, but baseball, like just to put into perspective. So like, you know, most quarterbacks get through the season unscathed if they don't suck dick, like they're going to play all 16 <laughs> games. Like it, I mean, it kind of depends like baseball, the current active streak leader for playing like games uh, consecutively is 247, which is wow. like a year and a half pretty much where, you know, when's the last time Tom Brady missed a game 
that wasn't for like, oh, his team's 13 and two in the final game of the season. Like he doesn't need to play kind of thing. Like, so baseball, I, I think football's harder on the body, but baseball is the ultimate grind. Just like Tyler was saying, you get no day, you pretty much get no days off. I mean, think about it. If your team finishes the World Series out in a normal season, you're playing from the beginning of February until the first week of November. You literally get December, like most of November, December, January off. If you're a pitcher and catcher, you're going back first week of February. You're playing nine months straight with yeah. less than 30 days off total. So, Yeah, definitely like a mental toll when you only have like two months off a year. That's if you're on a good baseball team. Hopefully that happens with the Angels this year. We'll see. Um, James, what Yo, sport are you going to pick? Your question was, how do you get through this? Or what's the hardest season to get through unscathed? And I took that as injury-wise. And I think it's I NHL. Mean, yeah. But it's, the reason being is that you have literal weapons that you're using to attack other <laughs> hockey players. And there's really no other sport that does that. Because baseball, you have a bat, but you don't hit. you don't hit people with your bat. But in hockey, you have your stick, and you definitely hit people with your stick. So that, that's the thing there. And you, the razor blades, dude, like on the skates, you can literally cut somebody's neck open, which has happened like twice. Yeah. That is sketchy. Like if <laughs> cut a finger off, I, like, it, dude, hockey is dangerous as shit. If you can't skate, don't be out there. And then, I mean, you don't see it in the NHL. Most people can see it in the NHL, but like the lower league and stuff, man, yeah, it, it's some sketchy stuff and people get hurt way too often. And I've seen yeah. it because I, I work but, hockey. <laughs> in the, at the pro level, though, I think I think you would agree that the NFL is probably – it's just a little bit hard. Like, it, it's it's way harder, I feel like, to – at least unless you're a quarterback. It's a lot harder to go out of – go through a whole season without anything. I mean, all, thing, I feel like – go the, ahead. The thing about hockey is that, dude, hockey players are tough as shit. Like, the thing – like, people play with torn everything, and you don't figure – you don't find out until the end of the season. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you have to have surgery on lower body on. injury. Yeah, like somebody had a broken foot. I think it was Carlson had a broken foot a couple years ago, and he played through the entire thing. And he was just like, yeah, man, it hurts, but I taped it up. And it's just <laughs> on the injury report, it's like lower body injury. So you never know. Yeah, yeah. and that's hockey, dude. Yeah. But then in the NFL, yeah. it's blown out of proportion. It's like, oh, he has he's a cut. He might be questionable for this today's game. So it, it just like it actually surprises me that that the, the re- so I don't know. If, so for the fans who don't know this. That you're probably who who watch hockey or appreciate it. You probably don't realize that, like J- James said, if someone gets hurt, we don't know what the actual injury is. And the reason that is is because, to James's point, they're mostly going to be playing. And if they let w- what exactly hurts known to the world, do you think that the other team's not going to try and give you a little extra hit to the shoulder or a little bit harder tap on the knee or the little bit harder tap right <laughs> on the rib. That's, that's why they do it because the, you know, if, if you're going to have a, you know, a player like, uh, you know, Carlson play, Oh, his foot's broken. We know that. Well, let's, uh, l- let's do a little bit extra let's to, to make him really feel it. That's that's, and I'm surprised they don't do that in the NFL. Like they let it know, they let everyone know, Oh, this is a, you know, a, a, this is a knee injury. This is a blank. This is a blank. Yeah. Is there a reason why? Is that just fantasy wise or what's the real deal there? I think it's part of the CBA when they have to like let everybody know if anything happened to somebody else to keep it fair. Got it. But I just want to bring up a perfect example to my point in Dallas, the Dallas Stars last postseason and Tyler Sagan, that dude had like a torn shoulder labrum and a yep. torn hip labrum. And we were all taking a shot on him, everybody on this podcast, because right. he was doing terribly. And we're right. like, wow, he lost it. 
But no, it's because he was really, really, really right. hurt. But he's he was out dangling there. on the so, red. So imagine, imagine yeah. if you know Tampa Bay knew exactly what was hurt and what side. It's like, okay, now we're really gonna make him hurt. Like, yeah, that's just what you do. I mean, that's attack the weakness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, all good points. You think football? You're just getting crushed like a car wreck. Like Alex said, uh, baseball is a straight marathon, like basically half a year or longer, and hockey is just fucking different <laughs> with yes. weapons um you know i've noticed like just the setting i work in in the nba like even as a staff member you know it could take a toll on you like this is year four for me sometimes there's just like you know you're like shit we're only 20 games in it feels like you know fucking it's been like a year long we still have you know 60 more games usually it's like an 82 game season there's little things you could do to make those longer lengthy seasons uh, positive and healthy. We did things called like 30, 30, 30 days where it's like 30 minutes of a lift and exercises like corrective exercises, 30 minutes of court work and skill work. And the other 30 minutes is like recovery and stretching, cool down. Um, you know, we have psychologists where you can do different activities such as that. All-star breaks are great actually. I know LeBron called it a slap to the face. It makes sense for this season being a slap to the face with how they're trying to regulate with COVID and all. But usually the all-star break is a good, like, refresher time. Every Everyone, including the staff, gets, like, about almost two weeks off. Um, but coming up with, like, system and systems and routines um, with variability is, like, kind of your way to, you know, get through these long, lengthy seasons. I, I kind of wonder about baseball. Tyler, do you got any uh, inside – knowledge with baseball since you worked in the Mainzies for that league the Mainzies, I like that um yeah doing doing you know uh minor league baseball season as a staff member really opened my eyes to just the day-to-day -day grind that these pro these pro baseball players go through and I mean for for a game that starts at you know 7 p.m the usual night game you know players are usually showing up around noon um just to get their early work in whether it's a lift whether it's uh, uh work with the coach you know, then you're doing a full on team practice for about an hour, hour and a half, two hours uh, later in the afternoon. And then you go out and you play a game and the game can be anywhere from three. Like for, for some reason, minor league baseball lasts even longer. So sometimes if, if, if a game finishes under three and a half hours, it's a it's a pretty fast game. Um, so you're you're going home at, you know, 1130 midnight and you wake up, you do the same thing over again. Um, and that's every day with like no days off. Um, so it, it's, 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 per, it's very long days, you know, for me as athlete trainer, you know, I'm working 10 to 12 hour days every single day, um, you know, getting there and, you know, doing the work, work with, with the guys. Um, I think some of the things that they do to kind of help, you know, uh, manage that is obviously there's some, you know, stuff with, with the, with the weight coaches that they'll, you know, they'll have, um, you know, weeks where they kind of ramp down things. They don't lift as heavy. They don't lift as much. Um, but also sometimes the, the manager will kind of get a sense of like, okay, like these guys have been working hard and I can kind of tell that people are a little more lethargic, you know, maybe we need what's called a, a, a show and go. So literally like you'll, you'll show up to the ballpark at five o'clock stretch, get dressed and start playing the game. No batting practice, no practice, just nothing. You just show and go, you play and you go and you go back. So it pretty much gives them like that whole day to sleep in to rest it kind of basically gives you a day off without without having a day off um so so every once in a while it's maybe about once every couple of weeks we do a show and go 
Um, so that'd be some, some kind of things, but yeah, it's like I said, like, like, like I mentioned before, it's just every day and it's not just like you're coming out, you're showing up for six hours. Like they're long 10, 12 hour days every single day. Yeah. Alex, you, uh, worked in a MLB organization as well. Um, uh, more on the business side, right. Yeah. As I believe. Um, but you know, what, what were some things you saw or noticed maybe with that type of situation? Yeah, I do the same thing. Like I lived in the same apartment complex as like <clears throat> a lot of the players. And I mean, I'd leave it, you know, I'd leave the stadium at 12, you know, 11 30, 12. And like, I'm, you know, and I'm leaving at the same time they are like, it's right. It was right across the street. So like we'd, we walk across the street, same thing, but they'd get there just like Tyler was saying, you know, 12, one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm getting there at like five. Um, it's all about, it's all about rest and getting the right amount of rest. Um, I mean, that's really for anybody just getting through day-to-day life. Like if you're not sleeping enough, you're screwed. Like you just need to get enough sleep, drink enough water, try not to drink too much beer, but I can't blame you if you do. <laughs> um, like it's, if for me, it's just like, you got to rest and recuperate your body or you're, especially for these grinds of seasons for professional athletes, like you're just going to break down and there's just, there's nothing you, you yeah. can have the best care in the world, but if you don't get enough rest, like if you're only sleeping four hours a night, doesn't matter you're gonna break yeah, down you gotta have like a system routine down yeah. james you, um you've been in the community college setting for a while but you know those seasons are a grind as well you're playing maybe not as many teams um but you're playing those those teams in your in your division and conference multiple times learning them learning the routines you it could become a grind what what are some things you guys like to use i'm gonna take a different route here everybody's kind of going the physical way but i'm gonna take more of a mental approach to it um, I think team chemistry is huge. If you don't get along with your team, you're going to get fed up with everybody way faster and burnout is going to happen way faster than it normally should. Uh, good team chemistry equals you play for somebody else other than yourself. When you play for somebody else other than yourself, good results happen and you start to produce at a higher level. Secondly, you have to have really good team captains who can set a good example. Uh, people look up to team captains and they do whatever they do. So if you have team captains who exemplify good nutritional habits or good um, prophylactics, like anything preventative, doing rehab, prehab, post, doing everything they need to do to get their bodies ready and ready to go for the next game and recovered and everything. People look up to that and people emulate that and copy that. And you see that with LeBron and Tom Brady. Whatever team they go to, they typically do well. And it's the same culture that happens. It's like LeBron and Tom Brady spend millions of dollars on recovery and on their body each and every year. That's why they're performing at a high level at, at this age. And everybody else takes notice of that too. Those teammates that see him each and every day will emulate that and take that with them. And pretty soon that culture of that team is, hey, let's figure out our bodies so we can, it's a long haul. Every single season is going to be long. It's going to be hard to do. Do what you can to make your body get through it. Yeah, those are all good things. That almost leads into my last question, but trade in, uh, seeing it as a a coach's point of view, I know you've coached hockey for a good amount of time. What are some things you like to use? I mean, I, I haven't coached this type of grind that you speak of. And so I, <laughs> I, I can't, I, I can't really, I, I can't really add much more to what these guys said, but I actually want to throw back at you specifically. Um, so I listen to a lot of uh, sport uh, hockey news every day, and it's, it's mainly run by pro, by former players. Um, and, and it's good. And specifically, um, you know, a former player that I listen to every day um, on the Sportsnet channel. And he talks about 
I mean, he has a good insight as to what it's like being a, you know, a professional hockey player because he did play. Um, he wasn't like a first line or anything, but he still, you know, went through the, the trials and tribulations of, a, of any athlete. And he said, and, and I want to know your perspective, if you get this from your athletes, he said that players absolutely love the day-to-day grind when it's a game day. Like they live for that. They wake up, they love getting up, they love getting up for games, but it's the practice days. It's the other stuff that, that is the, is the drag that the stuff they don't like want to have to deal with. Maybe they're like in, in the NHL, some teams actually do, uh, you know, like scaling where you feel like you're, if you're overweight, you get like, you get thrown into a harder workout. So you get down, you know, get that weight down. Like that's the kind of stuff that they hate and they don't like, but the daily day grind where they're, you know, they get up, they're eating their breakfast. They're, they're, you know, going for, for morning skate, taking a nap, getting ready to get, you know, getting ready for the game. They love that. Is, is that what you kind of see with your NBA players? Yeah, actually pretty much a hundred percent. Everything you just said, um, uh, for the players, like there, we do have guys that, you know, when they're more overweight than, than, uh, maybe our upper office sees, then, then they have more conditioning. And so on those practice days, off days, you would call them like they're coming in doing more shit. Uh, it used to be like putting them on a bike or doing shit like yeah. that, but we've got a better system now where our player development coaches like jump in and kind of scrimmage them, simulate game stuff. But it's funny as a staff member, I, I like the practice days a little more like the game <laughs> days are long as shit. Um, and like Tyler and Alex will tell you that too with in, in baseball, like it's just, it, those days are the biggest grind days as, as staff wise, but yeah, the players for sure like it more. They're with their teammates and almost going off of what James said, they're, you know, together, they're learning their identity. They're creating a, the camaraderie. That's the word, whatever, however the fuck you say it. Um, last point of this, uh, what are some, what are key factors? We kind of just talked about a lot shit key factors of getting through a season we kind of just talked about that but making the playoffs and having a run in the playoffs for me it's kind of what james was saying having an identity with your team and teammates creating expectations actually not too too high of expectations but creating reasonable attainable goals and expectations learning your opponents uh you play them multiple times a year especially in a year like this year in the nhl for example when you're in the same division only playing those teams but just understanding how to go on runs and win like a chunk of games at one time. And in, when you're in the playoffs, I think taking it one game at a time in the series is important. Uh, Clippers, you didn't do that last year against the Nuggets. Learn from your mistakes, please. Um, James, let's go with you first. Uh, how do you get through the playoffs and make a run? Luck. That's what's going <laughs> to come down to. Luck. Like you could prepare – and do everything right, literally everything completely correct, exactly to the book, what you're supposed to do. But some freak accident happens and your best player goes out. That could derail you. And what if the next person goes out? Like that, that screws you. And it's nothing you did to yourself. It's just luck. So I think luck plays the biggest factor. I mean, there's preparation and all that and preparation opportunity goes luck. But the fact of the matter is if something doesn't go your way, not by your fault, but it's what it is, man. Yeah. Trading, what do you got? Um, I would say, I, I would say there's a fairly a good amount of luck and also, uh, also being able to, to, like I said, this last podcast, being able to handle, um, or, or adapt to, to, to adversity. I mean, when, when that happens to your point, James, there are times where you can overcome that and, and, and learn from those, you know, mistakes. There's some things that you just can't, that you just can't, you know, 
beat, but there are some things that you can. And it, it's the, it's the teams that make it far that, that, that no team has made it unscathed. There's no team that you can tell me has made it unscathed. They've, they're, they're, they're facing some sort of adversity throughout a season and throughout a playoffs. And it's the best team that knows how to be able to handle those, that those minutes of adversity that are going to come on top. Yeah. Look at the lightning. I mean, stand close, you know, uh, Tyler, what do you got? Yeah. I'll, I'll throw it back to my own personal experience with, with the Red Sox. Um, we, we, we made the playoffs, uh, first round. We are in our, we had a kind of, it was a best of five first two games. We're at our home ballpark of last potential three games. We're at the, uh, other team's ballpark. Uh, we, we, we won the first two games by a lot. We blew them out of the water. The, the first two games we were at home. We, we had the crowd behind us. Um, and then for whatever reason, uh, we went up to their home ballpark, which is a little bit colder, a little bit more foggier, different ballpark, uh, Fans were not on your side. And for whatever reason, like we were just a completely different team. Um, couldn't score, couldn't pitch, made, made stupid um, errors. Um, and they came back and won the last three games to win the series. Um, and that's stuff, stuff like that, that's hard to, you know, make. But I think a lot of it was they didn't take carry over. I think they let the, the outside factors influence them too much instead of trusting their own game. Because the baseball game is the exact same whether you play it your home ballpark or a different ballpark. Yeah, the dimension is a little bit different. The, the fans, the atmosphere is different, but the game itself is exactly the same. So I think it's not letting those outside factors get to you so much. Don't ride the highs too high. Don't ride the, the, the lows too low. You know, kind of stay within yourself and do the best you can. And that's going to be a, a learning experience for those guys that went through that. You know, as they get up higher, they'll kind of look back on that. And I mean, the, the crowds are only going to get bigger and, and it's only going to get, uh, the, the moments are only going to get uh, bigger for, for, for them. So Hopefully they'll, they'll yeah. learn from that. But I think, I think it's trying to, you know, not let the outside noise kind of affect you too much because when you're in the playoffs, it's even higher. So, yeah, hopefully there's fans this year and, in, in uh, you know, other playoffs of sports. I mean, there was in the Super Bowl, thank God. Uh, last but not least, Alex, what do you got? Yeah. I'm going to kind of throw back to what James said on the last question, like lean on your vets. I mean, look at the bucks, their team did not change a whole bunch from one year to the next. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They won the Super Bowl this year. Why? They have Tom Brady. He's been to 10 Super Bowls. He knows what he's talking about. Lean on your vets. Look at the Lakers. They get LeBron. They win one of the hardest NBA championships of all time. I mean, look at the Lightning. They, you know, they lose Stamkos. Oh, you know, lean on Kucherov. Lean on Hedman. Like, lean on your vets. They've been there before. Um, you know, they can teach these young guys how to get through the grind of a season and of a playoff season. And there you go. And then, you you know, you come up on out on top like the Bucks. Just yeah. last night. Damn, we should be fucking coaches and GMs. We got a lot of good <laughs> knowledge, boys. Uh, thanks for getting through that grind of a segment with us, everybody. Uh, it's a little longer than expected, but that's what I got for this week. Dude, Eric, great as always. I feel like our like debates and conversations lately have been phenomenal. Um, Thank we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to get into hockey and trade is going to lead us through the uh, last week of the NHL season. All right, everybody, welcome back. The NHL season is, I'd say, full swing, but uh, it's not really. Um, Train, you can get into that a little bit, yeah. though. Uh, hockey, buddy. Yeah, what's up? Um, another week of hockey. It was, it's was. it been an interesting week. I mean, I, look, 
I don't want to talk too much about the COVID thing. It's 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 been tough for the NHL right now. Um, but I, I mean, we we de- we had this conversation with the MLB. We had this conversation with the NBA and the and the NFL. They're gonna figure it out. Um, we might see some some changes to some rules down the line, but I think that everyone and their grandma expected this. So I, I don't think there's anything more to say than the season will go on. I promise. Um, with that said, it was an interesting week. I mean, we sit here that the teams that have the most games are about a quarter of the way, literally a quarter of the way through the season. Um, and it's been it's been quite interesting, even the last week. Um, even during a, a Super Bowl week, which kind of takes all the sports news focus. Um, but hey, starting at starting here, I'm I, before I go on, I uh, uh, I mean, everybody knows here I'm a huge Edmonton Oilers fan. Um, but for the past little bit here, I really tried to be to really tone it down, like, I really don't want to be in your face about it. Um, so with that said, we are going to, we have to give a little bit of props to, to, to a player here who is doing something that, I mean, it wouldn't matter if he was on any other team, we'd be having this conversation. Um, but so my homerism is going to come out a little bit, but I'll try to try to keep it, try to keep it at, on a DL here. Um, Connor McDavid, uh, he sits top of the points leaders race as of tonight at 27. Um, he just, he did get an assist today. Um, this is currently just shy of a two point per game pace, putting him on pace for 108 points in 56 games. So, uh, Alex, I believe, I, uh, I believe you wanted this one. No, it was me. It was Eric. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm all screwed up in the mind. I'm all screwed up in the mind. Um, Eric, you know, I, I question this. I, I mean, I'm not going to say that Connor McDavid is going to win the art Ross yet because I mean, he's obviously leading it, but who really knows someone could have a huge stretch, but do you think him or any other player can get a hundred points in 56 games? Uh, it's going to be mighty close. Uh, I think actually he can do it. That's really? just the way this guy is. Um, the way that his pace is right now, like he's getting almost two points a game, you know, Yep. the math two times 50, hundred. So I think he should be able to do it. Um, but just think every game this guy's in, he creates chances and opportunities. It's kind of like on the other guys to finish off the pass. He's, he sends them across the ice and scores, you know, um, every important play in the Oilers game, probably from now until he's not on their team anymore will be because of him or the other guy dry saddle, but you know, they're on, they're very similar and he, is even better than that. Um, you know, I think if anyone else would do it, it would be Drysaddle, his teammate, because yeah. he's right behind him in the points this year. Um, the only thing that's crazy is, like, I'm looking, they're seven and seven. I mean, you would think their record would be a little better with a guy like this, you know, on his way to 100 points, but I think he could do it. Yeah. Um, qu- qu- uh, before we move on, James had a question. Yeah. Okay. So theoretically, if the Oilers magically got amazing goaltending, like they pulled off this massive trade and they have a really good goaltender all of a sudden, do you think Connor McDavid will still be on pace to score 108 points for the rest of the season? Or do you think he'll tone it down? Because right now I feel like he's scoring because he needs to score. Um, regardless of regardless um, of the fact that you have a good goalie or a bad goalie, you, when you get little to no points from your bottom two lines, he needs to score. <laughs> We, we had this conversation last week about offense and defense. I mean, we, 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 we are not going to be able to win games one to two or two to one. Like that's just not 
going to happen. So he's going to have to continue his pace. And I think he's, I think he prides himself on, on being that type of player, being that impact player. So I think he'll still go for it. I don't think he's going to tone it down. Although, although um, you might see, you might see him play less minutes. So it, it might not be as, it might not be as much as him toning it down as much as him just not being out on the ice as much because we actually have some defense and goaltending. Um, but yeah, I mean, Eric, to, to your point, um, in a, you know, 50 goals in a season is kind of a big number in a regular 82 game season and scoring over 34 is the equivalent of 50 in a 56 game season. And, and getting to the 69 mark is, is equivalent to a hundred points in an 82. I mean, uh, game, uh, game season, pretty sure he's going to smash that. I think we're getting a lot of getting a lot of people smashing the 69 mark, but if you could set the over under right now, and I'm going to put it down, we're going to, and we're going to, we'll go back to it at the end of the season. What's the over under that y'all set for points in a season uh, and for a, from a player in a, in a season? Like, what do you think the target number is? Like how many points they get in one season? Like who, who, which, what do you think the, the Art Ross winner will have over under? Oh. Mm, 107 points. 107. So Connor needs to stay literally on this pace to meet that, that dude. I love it. I'm going to write it down. Make sure we have it. Um, I love it. But um, so you heard it here, 107 points in a season. That was just a wild guess. Actually. I didn't like put, do any math in my head or anything. Hey, I just it, was like, it, that means he has to stay on pace and in, in the North where there's no defense or, or, and shitty goaltending. I don't think it's that far off. Um, moving on. We had a weird day yesterday before the Super Bowl. the Carolina hurricanes won in controversial fashion. Um, so what happened was Vincent Trocek scored um, the blue jackets towards called the challenge on the play that ended up, uh, you know, four offsides. Uh, it ended up, being called the goal but the play was clearly offsides and the refs ruled in favor of the hurricanes anyway during and interestingly during the intermission the nhl an nhl official went to to the, the both dressing rooms and said hey we fucked up you guys that goal should not have counted um and as a result the blue jackets had a penalty for losing the challenge they got their 45 seconds of penalty wiped off and things went on as as normal the goal stayed but they lost, they lost 45 seconds of power play or uh, power play time. So, I mean, I guess all is well, I mean, I guess Alex, I mean, dude, a, how did this happen? And B who the fuck needs to be fired here? <laughs> okay. This is one of the most pitiful things I have ever seen in a professional sports game. <laughs> this is not, you are professional referees. The head NHL base in Toronto is watching it and they're telling the refs, Nope, it was offsides, should not count. And then the refs just go, nah, fuck it. We're going to say whatever the hell we want. You're not replacement refs like the NFL used 10 years ago. You are paid professionals, and you just decided to ignore your league home office and say, no, we don't want to do this. So I don't know if they deserve to get fired. You know, that's maybe a little drastic. But the the refs that said, never mind, we're not going to do it. Like, we're not going to overturn it. It's a good goal. Those guys fucked up. And from what I've been reading on it is all the reviews from Toronto weren't done yet when the refs on the ice called it a good goal. And then they let them play on. Right. If anything, what should have had it happened is Toronto Toronto should have called in and stopped the game as is and been like, Nope, no goal. We're just going to move it back to whatever that time of time of ice was, you know, Columbus keeps their 
their challenge doesn't get a penalty for that. This is the one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. And even I, what did Patrick Line say? I think that's the biggest joke I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. he's been on the Blue Jackets for about 45 seconds, and even he's like <laughs> talking mad shit. So yeah. it's unbelievably ridiculous that that went down. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, so apparently some little background, like there was a communication error, like someone on the on the headset at the war room in Toronto who was actually not even supposed to be communicating said that it was a goal, but it actually, like you said, they hadn't finished their full review. So there's like a communication error. But it, I mean, the, the issue is now, now to, to bring this up, the issue is, the rule book says that any potential goal that requires video review has to be has to be reviewed prior to the puck dropping immediately after. And you can't and after that you can't add or take away goals. So what they would have had to do is kind of break that rule to you know fix the issue. Do you see a potential issue with that though? Like could that open up some a can of worms like 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 what's the integrity of the game then? Like if you're going to let this slide yeah, but that's a one-time thing. I mean, if you're going to say integrity of the game, like you can't just let them have a goal if they're offside. That's the rule. That's been the rule forever. You know, if there wasn't, you know, video reviews not been around that long, we, you know, the NHL and all these other uh, like, you know, sports leagues brought in because we have the technology to do review, to make sure we don't fuck up calls like this. For God, it's 2021 like yeah. what the fuck is going on yeah you should not this should not be a problem i yeah. cannot believe we're even talking about this um this is one of those times where they just have to the nhl just has to say not after the game not say we fucked up they immediately have to go nope that's no goal too bad sorry guys let's start from that you know whenever the time was that would have been the ref should have blown the whistle and been like nope yeah. sorry you're offsides it's it's ridiculous yeah, no, I'm, I I get it. Um, I have to give Torts some props here because he actually didn't go apoplectic. Like he didn't want to talk about it. Like he, he just, there was no comment. And I think he kind of, I think he was smart in doing that because A, everyone already hates Torts. Like the whole league hates him. But I think that he might've earned himself some like, some shitty tack tiki tack power plays because the league is going to be like, whoa, like, like he didn't freak out we owe him something. So maybe he'll get it. Maybe he, he's earning some credit for the next game <laughs> or the next couple of games. Um, moving on the Pittsburgh Penguins boys. Um, they've, they've been the talk of the town. I mean, they're, they, they are, I think they dropped four games um, and they're having to deal with the shocking resignation of, of GM Jim Rutherford that we still don't know what the whole issue was there. Um, we don't know if he was trying to trade someone and, and upper management was not, or I'm sorry, the ownership staff was not happy about that. But um, I mean, th their inconsistent play has them four points behind the third place team and only one point behind ahead of everybody else. So they're in danger of being out of the playoffs in, I mean, no problem. I actually, I actually, I could check right now. I think they might be at the bottom of the list. So James, are you worried about this team? Uh, yes and no. Um, no, because we're, like you said earlier, we're a quarter of the way in. Um, they're almost at fourth and they could be at the bottom, you said. But last I checked before this podcast, they were sitting at fourth. Uh, they didn't play today, but everybody else did. So yeah. I don't, I don't, that could, that could have moved. Uh, they are fifth, but that's fifth. because the Islanders played. So, right. And the top four teams make it to playoffs or do the playing round, yeah. whatever it is. And we're only 11 games in. They're only 11 games in. We're a quarter of the way in. It's, Freaking out now would be a little absurd, but 
the fact that Jim Rutherford abruptly stepped down is a little sketchy. I mean, this is a GM who's won. He's won two Stanley Cups with that team. He's won three total. He's a good GM. He makes moves and he does it often. I mean, he traded away Matt Murray. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. He's going to make the team better. And the fact that he abruptly resigned, it kind of indicates a cancerous or dysfunctional front office. Um, he's very well respected. And typically, a bad front office will bleed down into play. Yeah. And you see that often. Like, bad front office teams don't win ever yeah. in any sport. They're not that everybody has to be on the same page working towards one singular goal in order for success to happen. And that's not happening here right now. Um, I think that honestly, like they're going to have to figure it out in the front office before they figure out play down there. Once they figure out the front office, better things will come forward. Yeah. That that's been an interesting thing. I mean, uh, interesting point in and of itself. The, the question is, do you want to take the GM spot when you have to deal with a very aging Crosby and Malkin potentially having to trade them like that. I I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. And that goes to my question for you, James, could this be the last year that we see Malkin and or Crosby in a penguin sweater? I understand that they do have no movement clauses, but that's been like, they've worked it out before, like in, you know, to, to get a player out. So assuming that that's not an issue, could we see these two, one of these two or both of them, you know, in a, on a different team next year? That's a tough one because who is a new GM? I don't know anything about this yeah, guy. We don't. I mean, I, there isn't one. I, I don't yeah, know. there's like, still there's still it's an interim GM, so we don't know who the final guy is yet. Exactly, and that's the guy who's going to make the moves. Uh, fact of the matter is, Sidney Crosby is the face of that franchise and has been for a very long time. So I don't see him getting moved. He has too much clout at, in Pittsburgh. He has too much influence. He's going to retire a Penguin. Uh, Malkin, on, on the other hand, he's been kind of sketchy this year. He's having a tough year. Um, if Rutherford was still the GM, I'd say, yeah, Malkin's gone. <laughs> but <laughs> the fact of the matter is, I don't know if the new GM or the interim GM has the balls to do that. Yeah. He's also, very, like, Malkin's very well respected, but I, he should be, honestly, move that contract out of the way, go younger. But because of his respect, I don't know if the GM will do that. Yeah. So I guess they're both staying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, literally like those two have the power to get, to do what they want. I mean, they have the no movement clause in and of itself. So like legally they can't, they, they can't get traded on a whim, but we've seen things happen. Um, you know, if, if things go bad, I mean, Malkin might be just wanting an, an out. So we, but we, we don't know. Um, but, uh, it always is interesting. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that one, um, as that kind of unfolds. And the last point we have, that was kind of interesting. So the NHL is considering pushing back the 2021 NHL draft, uh, potentially to that was scheduled this July, potentially to next summer in 2022, which could then have literally back-to-back drafts. So it we, like could be like one week apart, could be like two weeks apart, but it would be a, a 2021 draft in 2022 and the 22 draft in 22. Um, so, you know, Tyler, like, what do you like? What are your thoughts on that initially? It's pretty crazy initially, but then kind of looking at them, like, I kind of like it. I, I think it's really cool. I think it's really, there's no really other way. Um, I think it makes sense for both the, the prospects coming up and it makes sense for the teams picking those prospects. It, it, it makes sense for the players because they haven't been playing at all for the last year or more. Um, so they're going to want to showcase their improvement, you know, but they haven't really had that time to do so. So they want to be their best that they can be. 
and they're going to need time to kind of get back into the, into the flow of things. And they want to be drafted as high as possible. So it, it, it makes complete sense for the players to have more time to play and, and showcase their skill. And it makes more sense for teams to evaluate the players because they don't want to, you know, pick a guy super high that they haven't had enough time to decide, is this guy really the guy we think we are? Or maybe there's someone that's not as well known yet that has a lot of de- de- development left that needs that time. So mm-hmm. um, the only other um, solution that I've seen is having some sort of mini tournament with all these prospects and giving them, you know, a chance to play right before the draft would be on time in July. Um, but for me, I don't think that's really a good idea just because, I mean, you're playing one tournament is not going to showcase, it'll showcase a little bit, but you're not going to get the full, you know, eval of a player with one tournament. You're just not. Right. Um, so I think may, it's going to be crazy, like having a draft one year for, for one season and then a week later doing it again for the following season. It's going to be really weird. It's going to be really confusing, but I think it just makes sense. I, 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 I think it works for, for, for both parties. Um, so I'm a fan of it. And I, I, I personally, I think it's probably the best way to go for this. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, I mean, I, th- no one wants to go through this draft this year. I mean, if you're a player, you don't because, like you said, you haven't played, so you have nothing. Um, I, I think I think you're 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 bang on there. Um, it will be interesting though. I mean, there's not going to be any like any any drafted player this year that's going to be playing next season. Like it's just going to it's you're just going to be dealing with the same prospects. But um, hey, COVID's weird, so I think that's I think that's kind of the reality, and and I think that's how it's gonna how it's gonna probably end up. I don't really like the tournament idea. I think that that's. I, the logistics sounds like a nightmare COVID wise. Yeah. And it just, it, a tournament in such a short amount of time doesn't really showcase your talents over the course of a full season. I just don't think that that's the way to go. So I, I tend to agree with you. Um, but let's do a, let's do a back-to-back. Let's do a double header. We're already having a draft. We're already, we have an expansion draft this year, guys, which we're going to talk about later. Um, I can't wait to talk about that. Um, but when that gets closer towards the end of the season, we'll be talking about that. But, Hey, um, before I go, um, I forgot to give you guys the updates on the, the fantasy. Um, we're going to start out with Alex who won again. He's four. No, imagine that (laughs) Tyler won and he's three and one now. Um, Eric has been on a heater three wins in a row. Uh, after that first week, he he's like, fuck that. I'm, I'm kicking some ass. Uh, James, you went back 500 winning last week. Uh, and me, I lost because I'm two and two and I suck. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah. that is what it is. There you go, Alex. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I, uh, I'll take 10 and one over my two fantasy leagues right now. It's not too shabby. Uh, we're gonna take another break. We're gonna hear from our sponsor and we come back. Uh, James is gonna lead us through building the ultimate football team. We'll be right back. all right we're back james football is over but we're not done talking about it so you're gonna lead us through i have a feeling it's gonna turn into a shit show uh i would just say a full-on argument i think we're about to have a full-on argument about the best offensive positions and who we think is the best current one uh, but yeah. you go, go ahead and uh, describe a little better than I just did. <laughs> uh, to Alex's point, football is never over with me on the podcast. So I'll probably <laughs> talk about it a decent amount. 
Um, to Alex's point again, we're gonna talk about the best position players and also the O line, and we're gonna go with like a running back, a, a quarterback, a wide receiver, tight end, and an O line. And everybody has their own. We could have the same ones. Who knows? But then we're gonna you know argue it. We're gonna have a consensus, and at the end, we'll give you our full team. And this team should be able to beat anybody. That's the goal. Uh, we're gonna start with quarterback first. So, Trayden, who do you have? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 got to be this guy. I mean, I mean it's got to be Patrick Mahomes. Like that that's who it is. I mean, I I, I I was gonna say Tom Brady, but guys, let's be real. Like, yeah, he's he's an amazing leader. But I said this yesterday. I said even when Patrick Mahomes was struggling, because I'm sorry, that wasn't his fault. He had the leakiest O line. I, I haven't seen such a sieve of an O line in like ever. Um, oh, I can do you one better. Well, we'll get there probably. Um, but guys, I mean, this guy's played 46 games in this league. He's 38 and eight, 66 percent uh, completion percentage. He's improved his interception numbers um, since his career high of 12 in 2018 and sits with an 80 percent QB rating over the last three seasons. He's dynamic. He can make plays with his legs and he's smart and people and, and players want to play for this guy. He's been to the Super Bowl back to back years now. I mean, he's. He, 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 first of all, he's going to be, he's, he's already a first ballot hall of famer. So it's, and he's like 24. So, uh, yeah, he's, that's my guy. So you, you picked the guy who didn't throw a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Cause again, again, it's not his fault. He had to run for 500 yards to even get a pass off. Like that's absurd. He, he doesn't even, I don't even know if he has 500, like how many yards does he have in a season, like rushing yards. He had to run away to just throw a damn ball for fuck's sake. So you would pick like Jared Goff too, because he didn't have a touchdown in the Super Bowl either. So you're saying they're like the same person. Well, actually 31 teams didn't have a quarterback that threw a touchdown the play, uh, in the Super Bowl this year. So only, okay. only one, only one. That's a good Eric, point. Who you got, man? <laughs> I got Aaron Rodgers. All right, guys. I love this guy. You always hear me talk about him. He's one for one in Super Bowls trading. Mahomes is one for two. So, but he um, went twice. Yeah, Rogers <laughs> should have been there more. He had some some other people fucking up for him. That dude on the onside kick when they played the Seahawks, fucking like six years ago, the dude dropped it. There's been other things, but it's never been Aaron Rodgers' fault, really. And he's good, and he would be my quarterback. My Eric, my issue with that one though. <laughs> my issue with my here's my issue with here's my issue with with uh with a rod he he doesn't he doesn't play well from behind he doesn't like you, if you look at his his if you look at his stats he's not a very good come from behind player patrick mahomes is he dominates i mean in super bowl okay we're gonna wash that out of your, our minds right now he i mean he did it against the niners last year and i was expecting it this year i mean he, he that's how he plays he plays better from behind and you need to be able to play from behind in the nfl like that's that's why I got him. Aaron Rodgers is definitely the best at throwing Hail Marys and completing them. Uh, if you look, he actually does not have the greatest comebacks. He's actually Marys, in, comeback, in, in game winning drives. He's not. He he's not he's in the top five. He's not in the top five game winning drives. Because he's never behind. Well, when they he's are, because he can't come. He can't. He can't win from behind. Sure, he can. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to actually agree with Eric. Uh, I picked Aaron Rodgers as well. Oh, my God. Uh, dude, you got to – We're not getting the consensus. Uh... Hey, listen. <laughs> no disrespect to Patrick Mahomes, but Aaron Rodgers is the MVP for a reason. You know, put put that guy on, in the Kansas City Chiefs uh, when, the, you know, the O-line was healthy and all that stuff. Like, this team would be unbelievable. I don't think they would lose a game. Um, 
he he is just an um, he's so smart. I think he's by far the smartest quarterback um, in, in the league. And that to me, we like we talked about last week how I said quarterback is one of the most mentally tough um, pos- positions in sports. You got to be so mentally prepared, so mentally focused, and make good decisions. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers has just shown it for longer than Patrick Mahomes has. Um, Patrick Mahomes is a close second, but for me, when I think about like if, if I'm drafting a quarterback right now who who I want to lead my my offense, I'm picking um, Aaron Rodgers. Also, don't ever call Aaron Rodgers a Rod. That's disrespectful to, to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> and that's a solid point, Alex. Who you got? All right, you guys ready for this? Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I'm just yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go off the rails a little bit. I'm going to go Deshaun Watson. Think about the team that he just played for. Absolute garbage. They traded away a top three wide receiver in the league, and he still led the league in passing. His offensive line was terrible. He's probably the most athletic quarterback overall. Uh, better throwing arm than Lamar Jackson. You know, Lamar might be a little bit better with uh, a runner, but Deshaun's really close. Um, you know, he might not be as great in like as Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, but as a complete package of what you need in the NFL today, which is a mobile quarterback. Look at Ben Roethlisberger. He can't move around. The Steelers faltered after they started playing good teams. Uh, I'm going Deshaun Watson. I, I definitely agree. I also had Deshaun Watson for that one. He's a dual threat QB. I'm going to reiterate basically everything you said, but he played on a trash team. He led the league in yards. He was a sixth QB in rushing yards as well, only training Lamar, Kyler, Cam, Russ, and Taysom Hill, who's kind of a tight end. He had 444 yards rushing and three touchdowns. His He got sacked 49 times. Talk about a bad O-line. 49 times is the second most in the NFL. Number one is Carson Wentz with 50. So the fact of the matter is he was running for his life too. And he didn't convert all those yards into – yards forward he ran for his life and made accurate throws on the run very mobile quarterback accurate he only had seven interceptions to 33 touchdowns if i were to build a team deshaun watson would be my starting point so uh, you guys all argued you guys all argued great quarterbacks with great teams and one nobody could argue that tom brady, huh? nobody picked tom brady because old fuck but <laughs> one could argue that seven, good quarterback play is based off of the weapons at hand and hey the houston texans had none Traded yeah. it all the way. I would say to your point, you're you're in Alex's point. You guys are probably swaying me in that if you give him, if you give Deshaun Watson a top five O line, and he's already putting up these these yards and these stats without a good O line, team him a top five O line. We're gonna talk about O line later. I'm I might be I'm with you guys. I like that. I like that pick. I like that pick. Right, so right now it's Deshaun Watson versus Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Aaron Rodgers is old. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. <laughs> he's smurder. He's he gets hurt, man. And to trade this point, he come, he His can't win from doesn't. behind. And the fact of the matter is, he doesn't win. Never behind. He's okay. So then, how come he only has one Super Bowl win? What? Well, how many? Deshaun Watson has not. He's barely made. He's barely made the playoffs and done anything in the playoffs. De- Deshaun Watson is twenty two, three. He's 24. he's pretty much fifteen youngers than fifteen. Yeah, years like he's fifteen not youngers. Younger. Fifteen <laughs> youngers. Boy, the worst youngers, team, boys. and nobody that sports him. The Rams should have got him. What the fuck? <laughs> That's besides the point. <laughs> I, I think Deshaun Watson takes this. I'm staying with Aaron Rodgers can't run. How do we do the consensus voting? I, 
I think I, I think I, <laughs> right now it is it is two to two. It's two. It's majority. It's two to two. So Deshaun yeah, Watson all, takes it. Yeah, we're never all going to agree. Let's be real. Yeah, <laughs> Deshaun Watson at quarterback. That's our first pick. Moving on to running back, Eric. Who you got? You know, I got to go with my boy Derrick Henry. Uh, monster horse, whatever you want to call him. Uh, build your offense around this guy. He won't let you down. He's always getting the job done. Tyler, you have. Um, Eric, I'm pretty sure you're copying and pasting my answers because I also have Derrick Henry. Uh, <laughs> he's got he's got the turd hair, which I'm pretty sure gives him powers. So. <laughs> can't can't go terrible. against that. Mm. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. Alex, you have. I'm going Alvin Kamara. Dual okay. threat running back, best catching back in the league. Um, six touchdowns in a game. What else do you need to know? And Trayden. Yeah, I mean, dual threat, my boy Alvin Kamara. He was only top 13 in rushing yards, but number one in receiving yards. And that's, I mean, so his per yards per game in the air was better than any other running back in the game this season. And given the fact that a lot more offenses are being built around more of a of a through-the-air type of style, like we're seeing that. We're seeing that that more yards are getting gained in the air. You need to have that dual threat. And that's why, I mean, that's why he's he's re- he's reliable on the ground. He's reliable, um, you know, as an option um, for the for the quarterback, that's I mean I'm with you, Alex. I have a couple of points against that, but first I'm going to say my running back pick is Nick Chubb. He's one of the hardest running backs oh, to tackle. He that. averaged 5.6 yards per game. That's the most a running back averaged with a, more than 140 rushing attempts. Yeah. He had 1,067 yards and 190 carries, which is half of what Derrick Henry had. He had less. He had half of the amount of carries that Derrick Henry had, but it was only 800 yards behind him. Um, he hasn't played that much of a, as a pass catcher, but when he does, he excels. We saw it in the playoff game. He averages 9.4 yards per catch. And he was graded as the best pass blocker among all running backs. And that's huge. You guys are looking at offensive numbers and offensive numbers only. But the fact of the matter is, it's a passing league too. So they, that running back has, has to stay in and pass pro. Uh, to your guys' point with Alvin Kamara and how he is a really good pass catching back, that's a function of Drew Brees. When Taysom Hill was a quarterback or J- Jameis Winston was at quarterback, Alvin Kamara was nowhere to be found in the pass game. It was mostly the Latavius, Latavius Murray game because they decided to run the ball in a traditional way. But we also have Deshaun Watson as a quarterback. Yeah, so. we have to, yeah, exactly. Trade, dude, trade him. Fucking <laughs> same wavelength, man. <laughs> uh, so, and also for who do you guys? Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a monster. He's good, but he's a one-dimensional running back. He's gonna play. He's, he runs north and south, but can you make cuts? No. So if he gets, if the O line doesn't give him a hole and doesn't get enough speed, how is he going to get anywhere? Just look at tackle. He's going to jump over people by stomping on them. Yeah, but <laughs> he's but if we're jump. building, but if we're building the best offense, he's going to have the best off- offensive line to work with. So in this yeah. situation, wouldn't you want to have the best? Just oh man. Back? Yeah, and if you got Aaron Rodgers just being smart and making plays happen, yeah. and you just hand it to him, just hand him off. Man, let him let him run. Just let him run it. <laughs> This is a hard conversation because it's like, oh, but well, what if we don't have a good quarterback? But we do. <laughs> but we do. And a good old. I should have. Okay. What if we just you picked Deshaun Watson? <laughs> is it <good> enough? <laughs> uh, so did anybody ch- change their vote at all? No. Or are we still sticking with the well, two-two? So wait, I I actually kind of like Nick Chubb, but I feel like Kareem Hunt took some slack off of Chubb. Exactly. Imagine how much better his numbers would be had Kareem Hunt not been there. That's true. No, I feel like, yeah, or he would have broken down. Yeah, I was thinking the opposite. Like, or he would have been the main go-to guy, and they would have keyed in on him. I'm changing Derrick Henry. Changed my mind. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I might, I, I, dude, I might go with Nick Chubb only because he, you like, saved my fantasy league. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, Eric, are you saying Derek Henry go Nick Chubb? Um, I'm going to stick with Derek Henry, but I do like Nick Chubb, okay. but I'm sticking with Derek Henry. So Derek Henry is our running back. Moving on to wide receiver, I think this might be a consensus here. Uh, but Tyler, you go first. Tyreek Hill. I mean, the dude is just the most explosive guy after the catch. He's just so athletic. Um, you know, he was on my fantasy team this year, and he just blew that shit out of the water. Um, this guy can can do it all. Um, he can go deep. He can run slants. You know, he, he can do pretty much anything. Um, he's, I, think, I think he's the overall most athletic wide receiver in, in the league. Um, and with this huge passing game, you need to be, be, be versatile. And he is that Tyreek Hill. Alex. I'm having a really tough time with this one, but I think I'm going to go with Devontae Adams. I mean, after watching him just – I mean, I, I was wrong. Dude, I said Jalen Ramsey could take him. I was wrong. He fucking worked Jalen Ramsey in that game against the Rams. Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver of football right now. Yeah, I – Alex, like, I think we took the same fucking pill or like we're yeah, on wavelength here, dude. Cause I mean, 98 yards a game, like that's insane. I mean, and 18 t- receiving touch or touchdowns. I think that's most of the league. I, I'm looking here. The only one that is, is Hill at 15. So it's pretty close, but Hill's not also getting 98 yards a game. Like that's, that's, that's stupid. <laughs> Eric, uh, who's throwing the ball to Devonte Adams trading Deshaun Watson. Oh. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, so wait, does it have to be someone current? Yes. Okay. Well, because I had Calvin Johnson, <laughs> but I'm going to change my answer to Devontae Adams because he is. There's nothing else to say. We just proved all the points. Yeah. Um, like I said, this is going to be a consensus. I also picked Devontae Adams. He had 18 touchdowns in 16 games. He's unguardable. If Tyreek Hill pulls a hammy, he's done. At least Devonta Adams can on slants if he has a hammy. Have you seen Tyreek <laughs> so, Hill do Nordics, the Nordic uh, exercise? I'll, I'll send the video to you guys. It's insane. I, don't know what is. I typically don't watch men do exercises, but <laughs> hey, you never know. That's literally Eric's job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, so Devonta Adams is our wide receiver. So, so far we have Deshaun Watson, Derrick Henry, and Devonta Adams. Sorry, Crazy Tyler. team. That's <laughs> Uh, moving on to tight end. Alex, who you got? I mean, it's Travis Kelsey. Like, why are we even talking about this? Uh, because I have a lot of good points otherwise. Yeah, I got a good choice on mine. No, Travis Kelsey. Trade, who you got? George Kittle. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Kittle. There's a reason why. I mean, he, he, I think he can com- – I'm not going to say that he's Travis Kelsey offensively, but the fucking dude can block. He's the best he, – he's a blocker. He was a blocker in Iowa. He's a blocker here. He's, he's the – Greatest blocking tight end. And guess what? When you're not catching balls, you're going to have to be part of the O-line. It's, it's, it's George Kittle, bro. You're not going to need the blocking with the gray O-line. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, Eric, <laughs> uh, we, we learned yesterday, Gronk, uh, the most – Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. The guy, he's probably the most clutch tight end we've ever seen. I mean no, – That's true. But hasn't his, done dick, didn't do shit all season. Two touchdowns yesterday, dominates out of nowhere. Uh, just shows up when it matters, clutch guy. To, to your point, I mean, I think I agree because James said this yesterday. He probably should have won the MVP, but 
dude, he's old. Like, nah. <laughs> Tyler, who you got? Uh, I also got Travis Kelsey. Um, I think George Kittle for me was a close second, but I mean, he is still young. He had this injury riddled season, but to me, I just think that Travis Kelsey is a little bit more durable and that's super important in football. So that's why I think Kelsey gets the slight nod in this one. I have George Kittle uh, because I'm a nice fan. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I'm a nice fan. Um, <laughs> he's a great receiver and a, he has great route running skills. He gets open at will. But the thing is, he's an even better blocker to Traden's point. He's not the best blocking tight end because I think that award goes to Nick Boyle of the Baltimore Ravens, but he's a second best. Um, he goes out there and he makes plays. He actually held the record for the most receiving yards for a tight end in a season two years ago. Oh, and yeah. And, then, by and, then, and then who just broke it? That's right. That's what I thought. <laughs> hey, but you, the thing is, George Kittle is also out. So George Kittle has had one and a half good years. That is it. Travis Kelsey has been good okay. for six years. He if you're using that had... logic, if you're using that logic, then Deshaun Watson shouldn't be our quarterback. It should be Aaron Rodgers. Except Deshaun, Deshaun Watson's Watson been had... great for all for... four of his years. Okay. And then great. Aaron Rodgers has been great for 25. Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers is 37 million years old. <laughs> Travis Kelsey almost led the league in receiving yards as a tight end. Yeah, Done. that's true, that's but it's not it. all about offensive numbers. It's pass pro. Jordan, look at Gronk, Travis Kelsey doesn't have it with one arm. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I've I said this. I said this with with our last playoff previews that you, you it is. I mean, like I said, we are throwing the ball more, but to win a game, you have to have establish a running game, and he's part of that. And to me, that's why that's why he gets my that's why he gets my vote. I mean, when he went to Iowa, the coach said, "If you're going to play tight end for me, you need to be able to block." Simple as that. And he took that to heart, and he still does. Like, I, I, it's going to be hard for me to to to. I mean, I'm not saying Travis Kelsey's a, a fucking nothing. Like Travis Kelsey's incredible, but I, I'm looking for I'm looking for that dual threat. What did Iowa do uh, that year? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> nothing. It's TJ Beathard as a quarterback. <laughs> There's no question that Travis Kelsey is the best receiving tight end in the NFL. But yes, George Kittle is the most complete tight end in the NFL. I don't care. I'm not switching. <laughs> Eric, who are you picking? Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Probably Kelsey. He just yesterday had him in DraftKings, and he's fucking. He should have caught more passes, but he caught a lot of them. So, not enough though. <laughs> so Travis Kelsey is our tight end. That's still a disgusting tight end. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, last but not least, we're gonna go offensive line. Um, Chayden, who you got for offensive line? It's Cleveland Browns, baby. Mm. Look what Cleveland did. Um, they generated they, they generated the, the most pocket time for Baker this year, and we saw Baker turn the ball over less. It definitely helped. Uh, they ranked third in rushing yards, tied for fifth in rushing yards per carry, fifth in rushing touchdowns, um, second in rushing of more than 20 yards, and allowed just 26 sacks among the lowest in the league. And you just saw what they did. Like they helped propel that team to the playoffs. Like it was a completely different dynamic. And guess what? When you're, when, what I saw yesterday, you need a fucking O-line. Like, and this O-line did it. And I can't imagine if, if the Browns O-line was, you know, was, you know, was in the, in the, in the playoffs or I'm sorry, in the Super Bowl because with a competent quarterback, because it would be dangerous. You hear that, Eric? He said offensive line is important, more important than the safety. But hey, who do you got for offensive line? Wait, what? Who do you have for your <laughs> offensive line? Uh, I got the Packers offensive line because, look, if they made Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams stick out and Aaron Jones, I mean, we're going to need them on our team to make 
our guys stick out and protect them. Protect. <laughs> Tyler, who do you got? Um, <laughs> I also have the Cleveland Browns um, right guard, Wyatt Teller, and right tackle, Jack Conklin, um, were the best, <laughs> highest rated tight ends in the league. And having two of those guys on the same O line, I mean, I think that just proves. And let, I mean, I think also their overall ranking, I think they were ranked like bottom and third of the league last year. Yep. And they were top five this year. That is an amazing turnaround. Props to, I don't know who the O-line coach for the Browns is, um, but good on you. Um, obviously, the development of those guys that they brought in. Um, I mean, they made this Browns team as successful as they were. Um, and they killed it this year. So for me, it's hands, it's hands down the Cleveland Browns O-line. Alex? I really wanted to say the Rams based off of how terrible their offensive line was in 2019 to how good it was in 2020. But I have to bo- agree with my boy Traden. It's the Cleveland Browns. Um, uh, apparently the offensive lines coach is Bill Callahan, by the way. Uh, I just you. learned that. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, but yeah, so Jack Conklin only allowed 2.9% of his blocks to like affect the pass. 2.9%. That's insane. Wow. The Browns were that they had, they should be the offense. Can't believe I'm saying those words out loud, right? Like the <laughs> Cleveland Browns offensive the line best. is the best one, but that's what I got. So just imagine if they didn't just have Baker. I mean, I, I gave a, I gave a lot of props to Baker, but Baker is like, like imagine if he they had Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers. Watch out, Super Bowl, Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl champs for sure. Um, I had the Green Bay Packers. Not that it matters now, but they only give a 20 sacks in the year, which was the lowest. And they helped Aaron Jones. I mean, aside from being a great pass blocking team, Aaron Jones had 100, 1,104 rushing yards in the season. That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, the, the Browns have to give major props, man, from being a terrible offensive line to being one of the best. One year, huge turnaround, and it showed. They made it to the playoffs. So, congratulations, Browns. You are our offensive line. So, yeah. to recap, uh, Deshaun Watson, our quarterback. Our running back is Derrick Henry. Our wide receiver is Devontae Adams. Our tight end is jo- – or is not George Kittle. It's Travis Kelsey. <laughs> and our offensive line are the Cleveland Browns. And that is our offense. And I'm pretty sure they'll beat anybody. That's oh, God. <laughs> I don't even care what our defense is. We'll just yeah, like, yeah, who cares? completely outscore you. Yeah, that was a that was super fun. Um, I feel like the consensus thing went out the window real quick, uh, which is fine because we were never going to agree. Uh, uh, but James, that was great. Uh, we're going to take one final break, and then Tyler's going to lead us in our first baseball talk of 2021. We'll be right back. And we are back uh, finishing up because now the Super Bowl is over, which means it is baseball season officially. Tyler, first baseball segment of 2021. Let's get it. Oh, it feels so good to be talking about baseball. It's been a long, long time. Um, But real quick before we get into it, uh, pretty much breaking news here a few hours ago, uh, MLB officially agreed on what the rules are going to be. There was a question of whether there's going to be uh, a, a universal DH like last year, uh, how extra innings was going to look like if there's going to be expanded playoffs. So they just agreed there is no expanded playoffs. So it's a standard 10 team playoffs as we've seen in the past. Uh, there will not be a universal DH. So pitchers are hitting in the National League. Um, but a couple of rules that are going to um, stay is that they're going to have seven inning double headers, um, which there'll probably be a lot of it with this COVID. So when games are delayed and they play double headers, they'll be seven and seven instead of nine and nine. 
And they'll also have the uh, new extra inning rule where for extra innings, they'll have a runner lead off at second base. Um, so that will also stay for this season. Other than that, we're pretty much looking at a full 162 um, game season. Opening day is April 1st and spring training is less than two weeks away. So we are getting real close here to baseball time. Um, so we're going to go through um, our the division previews. We're going to start in the American League East division. Um, I'm going to kind of go in order of how these teams finished um, last season and go from there. So um, the, four, the uh, reigning AL East champions, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, they won the AL East last year going 40 and 20 in the shortened 60 game season. Uh, and they lost the World Series to the boys in blue, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, real quick this offseason, the Rays usually aren't big, big buyers anyway, um, but they did lose two of their best starting pitchers, uh, Charlie Morton and Blake Snell. Uh, Charlie Morton to free agency and Blake Snell got traded the, to the Padres. Um, they replaced them with uh, Michael Waka and Chris Archer, um, guys that aren't nearly at the same level as those guys, but those are kind of who they brought in to replace them. Um, they also re-signed um, their veteran catcher, Mike Zanino. Um, and that's really about all they've done in the offseason. Um, otherwise, this team, especially on the offensive side, looks pretty much the exact same. Um, their projected rotation um, going into the season will be Tyler Glass now, Chris Archer, Ryan Yarbrough, Josh Fleming, Brent Honeywell, and Andrew uh, Kit, Kitridge. Um, so they got a few uh, guys there at the bottom. Uh, pr 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 projected lineup, uh, catcher, Renato Hernandez, first baseman, G-Man Choi, second baseman, Brandon Lau, uh, third baseman, Joe Wendell, shortstop, Willie Adamas, left fielder, Manuel Margot, center fielder, Kevin Kiermeyer, right fielder, Randy Rosarena, and the DH will be Mike Zanino slash catcher. We'll kind of rotate those guys. Um, so for me, the, the bad thing looking at these Rays going in, uh, starting rotation is not what it was last year. That's kind of what drove them and allowed them to make it so far in the postseason. Uh, like I said, losing those two guys, Morton and Snell, was going to be a huge loss for them. They didn't really replace them. Um, offensive consistency for this team is still going to be an issue. Um, we, we, we saw in, in the World Series that this team does have trouble scoring runs. We also saw in the World Series is it seems like this team has an over-reliance on the metrics, as we saw with them pulling Blake Snell in game six of that World Series game. Um, I think they rely a little bit too heavy on that and not enough on the eye test, just seeing how, how, how guys can, can perform and kind of, and kind of giving more faith on what's going on in the game. Um, the good um, is the bullpen is going to be lights out as usual. Um, that's their biggest strength, I think, of this team. Uh, they're a great defensive team, and this Rays team is one of those teams that has a great culture, great young talent, is, is, is always coming through, through that system. They always seem to find a way to be competitive when, when they have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball, which is really, really impressive. And that comes from a great culture, a, a, a great coaching staff. So this race team will definitely be competitive in 2021. Um, so trade-in, uh, I assigned you the Tampa Bay Rays here. So my question to you is, first of all, what are you expecting out of Chris Archer? Um, this guy was at one time one of the best pitchers in baseball with the Rays. Uh, he, went, he was traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates since then has not really been the same Chris Archer. Uh, do you expect him to have a kind of uh, reset coming back to his uh, former glory days in Tampa? Um, and what do you expect with this uh, starting pitching staff overall? And do you think they have enough to make the postseason this year? Yeah. So I, I think Chris Archer is not going to, I mean, like you said, I don't think he's going to come back to his, I don't think he's going to come back to his former self. I mean, I mean, he, he threw 194 plus innings each season during 24 and 27 
2014 and 2017. That is a lot considering I think was the, I don't know. I did the math, like don't correct me if I'm wrong, but the average starting picture is like what 150 ish. Like that's kind of like the target for a starting pitcher ish. Um, and I don't think he's going to get anywhere. I, I mean, I think he's going to get somewhat near that, but I, I honestly think that these guys are going to struggle to see very many single, you know, single starting pitchers meet that 150 target. Um, just because I just don't think that they're strong, like you said, and I don't think they're going to lean on, they're going to have to really spread the, you know, spread, spread it out a bit. Um, although the, for the Rays, like, I think most teams would be kind of worried about that, that, un, that uncomfortableness of the fact that not, it's going to be tough for those pitchers to get those innings in, but the Rays have kind of done that. I mean, they, I mean, that's kind of what their MO is because they lean on that bullpen. And I think that that's what they're going to have to continue doing. And they're really going to have to continue with this year. I don't think the starting pitching is, is, is lights out. I, um, Tyler glass now, I think, I think he played pretty well postseason. It was, it was fun to watch but he did have you know a couple screw-ups um i don't think that i don't think that the starting lineup is going to get them to the postseason i think they're going to have they're going to rely a bit too much on the on the bullpen at the end of the day um but i think that that bullpen is like you said lights out so it might be the it might be what is needed to at least itch into the playoffs and the rays are kind of smart with their with their signings i mean they might find they might find a, a little diamond in the rough here going uh just prior to the start of the season and find someone to to give them that fifth starter um, unless, you know, Fleming or Patino come in and play, but um, that remains to be seen, but I, I don't think they're going to win the division, but I don't, I would not be surprised to see them uh, make the playoffs. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a grind. I think um, uh, another team I'll talk about later in this division got a lot better. Um, the Yankees are always going to be competitive. So I think this division is going to be tough to win this year for the race, especially with the loss they've had to their starting pitching, but as I mentioned, the Rays, they always seem to have a young up-and-coming arm. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of who uh, is going to kind of break out of, um, for the Rays this year. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, for me, I think that they'll get around uh, – I'm projecting to get 86 wins, and they're going to finish third in the division, miss out on the playoffs by a couple games this year. I, I, I just don't think that the starting pitching is there. Um, unless, you know, they, they get off to a hot start, maybe, may, maybe make a, a, a trade for a starting pitcher – um, it, it could still happen. I think this race team is still going to be competitive and it's going to be close, going to be tight, but I still think they'll just be um, on the outside looking in when it's all said and done. Uh, moving on to the second place finishers last year, the New York Yankees. Uh, they were had a record of 33 and 27. Uh, they lost to the Tampa Bay Rays in the division round of the playoffs last year. Uh, their offseason, they uh, did, did a few good things. Uh, they re-signed uh, DJ LeMahieu, the, the runner-up MVP, which was their probably number one target. Um, they also signed uh, veteran Corey Kluber uh, to their pitching staff. They also traded for Jamison Tyon, who uh, is coming off uh, Tommy John surgery, but is one of the um, up-and-coming arms in this league. Uh, he was formerly of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, they also lost Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, he's going back to play in Japan um, after a few great years with, with, the, with the Yankees there. So uh, they kind of gained some pitching, but also lost uh, some pitching as well. Uh, speaking of pitching, their projected rotation will be Garrett Cole at the top, of course, uh, Tyon Kluber, Jordan Montgomery, Domingo Germain, and Luis Severino um, will kind of will be their starting pitchers. Uh, their projected lineup will be as follows. Catcher Gary Sanchez, first baseman Luke Voigt, the last year's reigning home run champ, uh, last year's MVP runner-up DJ LeMahieu, third baseman Gio Urshela, shortstop Glaber Torres, left fielder Aaron Hicks, 
center fielder Clint Frazier slash Brett Garner. Brett Garner is still a free agent, so we'll see what happens with that. But they're pretty much going to expect that he'll probably come back to the Yankees at some point. Um, and then right fielder Aaron Judge, of course. Um, the bad with this team is the injuries, especially to uh, that last guy I mentioned, Aaron Judge. Uh, they have a really hard time staying healthy. Um, so that's going to be huge for them for a, a full season. Uh, their starting pitching depth is a little bit of concern. Obviously, their number one guy, Garrett Cole, is a stud, is an ace. Um, but after that, they got some questions. Um, so we'll see what happens with their starting pitching, which always seems to be a concern with this Yankees team these, these last few years. Um, and, and their postseason um, 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 demons have been kind of coming up. They've, it it kind of reminded me of what the Dodgers were going through not too recently. They were... Um, they just, they seem to be competitive every year, but somewhere along the line, they just can't seem to quite make that, uh, world series run. Um, but they're going to be c competitive for sure. The good, I mean, this is one of the most potent lineups in baseball. I mean, power, power, power up, um, up and down that lineup, um, offensively, they're going to be so good, especially if, if they stay healthy. Um, their bullpen is fantastic. Uh, a Chapman, Zach Britton, uh, they got Darren O'Day. Um, Chad Green had a good season last year. So that bullpen, they got four great guys out of there. That's that, that they're going to do a great job. Um, so Alex, I signed you the New York Yankees. Um, so first of all, I'm, I'm really interested to see how, uh, Tyon is going to perform coming off Tommy John. Do you think he has, he kind of continues what he started before he got hurt and will be, you know, a really good pitcher here for the, the Yankees. Um, and will they finally make it to the world series this year? Yeah, so Tyon is, I just learned this the other day, surprisingly already 29 years old. And I bl yeah. believe this is his second Tommy John. So that's a little worrisome. Um, he hasn't pitched in a long time. Um, we'll have to see what he does when he comes back. I don't think he's going to be the lights out Tyon we saw in 2017, I think, or 2018. Um, and same thing with Kluber. I mean, Kluber's had some weird injuries. Um, of broken forearm from a uh, uh, line, a comebacker. Um, the you know Luis Severino's been hurt. Domingo Herman was uh, suspended for domestic violence issues, um, and Garrett Cole did not live up to his contract in his first year. But I mean, that's a lot of pressure being the dude. You're in New York. You're playing for the Yankees. You just got paid three hundred bajillion dollars. So I expect Garrett Cole to have a better year than he did last year. Um, you didn't even mention Giancarlo Stanton as the DH. Um, you know, he's another ginormous human being that's in that Yankees lineup. Gary Sanchez is terrible. Um, he literally cannot hit the side of a barn. He's All he does is hit homers, so I'm a little worried about that. I don't think the Yankees will make the World Series. I think there's better teams um, in the American League. Um, I do think it will help that they get a play – every team in the American league this year, instead of just the AL East, which was surprisingly pretty good. And the NL East last in the short season, which was also like a really, really deep, uh, deep division. Um, I mean, the Yankees are still a very good team. I just, that starting pitching worries me. I don't think, and I don't think judge and Stanton will hold up. They always get hurt. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that was a big omission on my part for getting Stanton. So thanks for picking me up on that one. Don't know what happened there. Um, so I always hurt. You forget about him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think despite you know all the injuries and all that stuff, I think this Yankees team it's just they they have pretty good depth. Um, I think their starting pitching will do enough. Um, I think they're going to get 95 wins and win the division this this year. 
Uh, in terms of making the World Series, who knows? Um, I don't think the American League, as you mentioned, is as strong as the National League. Um, so I think that they've got a pretty decent shot at making it, but we'll see what happens. Um, so moving on to the third place finishers um, of last year, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, 2020 finished third uh, with a record of 32 and 28. Uh, they did make the playoffs thanks to the expanded uh, playoff bracket, um, and they lost in the first round to the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, the offseason, they were very, very busy. Uh, they improved a lot. Um, they signed Robbie Ray, who they traded for um, last year uh, to a, a one-year deal. They got relief pitcher Kirby Yates. Uh, they signed George Springer to a long-term contract. That was the biggest, one of the biggest uh, free agent gets. Uh, they also signed Marcus Semien, which I think will be a very uh, kind of go a very low key great uh, sign for them. Um, and they also traded for starting pitcher Stephen Matz. Um, so they did a lot here. Um, their projected rotation they got a lot of options. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu uh, will uh, be their ace, uh, followed by Robbie Ray, Ross Stripling, Nate Pearson, Tanner Roark, Tyler Chatwood, and Stephen Matz. So they got a lot of a lot of starting pitching. Uh, their projected lineup is going to be pretty damn good here, guys. Uh, catcher Danny Jansen, first baseman Vladimir Guerrero Jr., second baseman Marcus Simeon, shorts, uh, sorry, uh, third baseman Kevin Biggio, uh, shortstop Bo Bichette, left fielder T. Oscar Hernandez, uh, center fielder George Springer, and right fielder uh, Lourdes Guerrero Jr. Uh, that is a, one of the best lineups in baseball, guys. Um, the good uh, for, for this team, uh, like I said, one of the best offensive teams in baseball, especially with that signing with George Springer and Marcus Simeon to add to an already young, great, talented lineup. Uh, they're young, they're energetic, they're talented. Um, they're starting pitching depth. They got a lot of options there. Uh, that, that looks pretty good. Uh, the bad, the bullpen um, needs some help. Uh, if Kirby Yates can be, can be good for them, that, that, that's a big if. Um, coming off an injury and was not the same pitcher that he was, but he, but he was very good for, for two seasons with the Padres. So he could potentially be very good for them, but past that, they really don't have any really good arms out of that bullpen. Um, this team lack, lacks experience. They got a lot of young guys um, and they're starting pitching as much as they have depth. The consistency past Ryu is a, is a question mark. A lot of these guys can go out there and be lights out. They can also go up there and you know struggle so i just think a lot of these guys have just track records of being super inconsistent um so not really sure what we're going to get out of that starting rotation um but i think this team is going to be really competitive i think they took a huge step forward with their offseason moves um so eric i want to ask you um do you think this team is good enough to win the division and will they win a postseason series this year no they will not win the division Yes, they will win a postseason series. They will squeeze in to the postseason and maybe upset a team. Um, I think apparently, according to my research, they still have 84 million to spend. Um, so that's going to be going straight to a pitcher, whoever they can get their hands on. Um, like you said, they need another like a second punch after Ryu. Um, they got the guys that can hit. They got Vladdy Guerrero Jr., um, they got Springer now, that cheater from the Astros. Um, but, yeah, they're going to need an infielder maybe to help fill that void at third base. It's pretty simple. Uh, hit the ball, score, and defend with a good pitcher to Angels take notes on this. Um, but, yeah, I think they will win a postseason series. They're going to squeak in and upset somebody. Nice. 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, watch this team this year. Um, they've been a young up and coming team for a while. Um, with, with the help of the expanded playoffs last year, they did make the playoffs, uh, had, had a winning record. I think they got even better. Um, so I think this team um, is going to win 90 games this year. They'll finish second in the division, make a wild card spot, um, and we'll see how they do. You know, with, of course, as we said, with that 10 team playoff, they have that one game wild card round um, with, with Ryu on the mound. Um, I think they've probably got a pretty good shot um, of, of, of winning a playoff game. So um, Blue Jays, it's going to look great. I think uh, fans north of the border are going to have a great 2021. Uh, moving on to the fourth place finishers in the ALEs last season, the Baltimore Orioles uh, had a record of 25 and 35. Uh, missed the postseason as expected. Um, Offseason, this team didn't do much. They're still in uh, rebuild mode. Um, they lost their kind of one veteran um, starter to the Angels and uh, Alex Cobb. Um, they signed Wade LeBlanc, uh, who is, was formerly of the Orioles. Uh, he's to a, a, a minor league deal. Uh, they traded Jose Iglesias also to the Angels. So the Orioles and Angels got some kind of uh, you know, good partnership going on. Um, and they signed shortstop Freddie Galvis to replace Iglesias. Um, that's really about it. As I mentioned, this team is still kind of developing their, their young talent. Um, they're kind of waiting for the area, the era of Adley uh, Rutschman to begin that the um, MLB's number one prospect who's, who's um, up and coming. Um, so they're still going to have kind of a pretty rough season here, um, but their projected rotation, uh, John means, uh, Keegan Atkin, Dean Kramer, Bruce Zimmerman, and Wade LeBlanc. Other projected lineup catcher, Pedro Severino. First baseman, Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, second baseman, Yolmer Sanchez. Third baseman, Rio R R Ruiz. Shortstop, Freddie Galvis. Left fielder, Austin Hayes. Center fielder, Trey Mancini. And right fielder, Anthony Santaner. Um, so again, a lot of names you probably, probably have never heard before. Um, but a lot of these guys had some pretty, a pretty good 2020 season. Um, so I think just look for these guys to continue to, uh, to develop. They, they may play spoiler for um, some of these teams that are going to be more competitive. Um, and other good news, you, you guys play in one of the most beautiful ballparks in the league. So you got to at least enjoy that part of it. Um, other than that, it's going to be another rebuild year and it's going to be a slow, long season in Baltimore. Um, so James, I want to ask you, um, you asked me what team to cover. I gave you the Orioles just because I thought it'd be a good challenge for you. Um, so what players are you most excited to watch from this team this year? And uh, what part of their team do you think needs the most improvement in order for them to be competitive moving forward? Uh, I just want to start off with just a quick fun fact that doesn't mean anything to this at all. But whenever you say Orioles, I think of Oreos. So this team is great because yeah. I love Oreos. There you go. Anyway, um, team players that I want to watch. Trey Mancini, big one. Comeback story. He he sat out all that season because he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. He's since then been healthy. So now he's gonna he's back to playing for the first time in two years. And I mean, career-wise, he's a good player. He has a bad career batting average of uh, 274 and has 86 home runs in his career. He was um, runner-up for Rookie of the Year whenever he was a rookie in 2015, I believe. Uh, but he's a good player. 
And the fact that matters, he's coming back from cancer. That's a great story. And his, I think that'll unite his team. The fact that he's out there doing his thing, trying his best after such an arduous process is cool. It's good to see. And then also uh, Anthony Santander. You forgot the T in his name. But Anthony Santander had 11 home runs in 37 games last year. That's a crazy high rate. That it's, it, yeah, it's, You probably won't replicate that this upcoming season, but he's shown power. This is the first time he's ever shown power in his career. 11 home runs, 37 games. Amazing. Yeah. Now, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> their biggest weakness, the thing they need to improve on the most, is their starting pitching. Um, it wasn't good to begin with. And then you go ahead and lose your number one guy. Your number one guy who wasn't that good is now gone. He's with the Angels. So without good starting pitching, you're not going to do much. I guess they could try and overpower everybody and just, you know, hit home runs like crazy. But the, that's probably not going to happen. So yeah, rebuilding here. Yeah, um, I think last year was kind of the first time where I think we saw this new era of Orioles players uh, kind of break out a little bit. We kind of saw some potential in a few guys. Um, so I think that's a positive. Um, so I, you know, I think look for more of that and maybe a couple other guys that are going to either build on years they had last year or break out again. And, uh, the future is bright Orioles fans. You need a few more years of development waiting for uh, Rutschman to come up and, and make his big league debut. Once that happens, I think this Orioles team will be very good. As James mentioned is if they can get some more pitching to their team, um, this team's going to be pretty good in a, in a few years time. But 2021 is going to be another rough one. Um, I'm going to say 70 wins just to be nice, uh, and they'll finish last in the division. Uh, so moving on to the team that finished last last season, 20, in 2020, my former employer, the Boston Red Sox. Um, they were 24 and 36, um, had a real rough season, a lot of injuries, just a lot of just kind of just absolute shit that happened last year with them. Um, off season, um, they signed pitcher Garrett Richards. Uh, they signed a uh, super utility man, former Dodger World Series champion Kiki Hernandez. That's a heartbreaker. It hurts me to say it every time I see him with a Boston hat on. It just uh, hurts a little bit. Uh, but good for you, Kike. Uh, and then uh, they traded for uh, relief pitcher Adam Ottavino. Um, and they also signed uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, who will probably hit uh, piss missiles over the uh, green monster there in Boston. Mm -hmm. Uh, their, their, their projected rotation will look, uh, like, uh, Nathan Evaldi, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Garrett Richards, Tanner Houck, uh, Nick Pavetta and Chris Sale will probably return from Tommy John probably halfway through the season. Um, if that projection holds still, so we'll probably see Chris Sale towards the end of 2021, um, hopefully coming back. Um, that'll be huge for them. Um, their, their projected lineup will look like catcher Christian Vasquez, first baseman Bobby Dahlbeck, uh, second baseman Kike Hernandez, so weird to say, uh, third baseman Rafael Devers, shortstop Xander Bogarts, left fielder Andrew Benintendi, center fielder Michael Chavis, and right fielder Alex Verdugo. Uh, the big question mark with them right now is the status of Jackie Bradley Jr., who is their free agent center fielder. Um, uh, as most reports say, he's probably going to move on from Boston and sign elsewhere. Um, so that's why I had Benintendi Chavis and Verdugo um, in the outfield there. But uh, there is a chance that he's, that, that JBJ still could come back uh, to the Red Sox, but it's looking like not. Um, so the bad for this team, uh, the pitching, um, they had a lot of injuries with their starting rotation. They'll get some of those guys back um, this season, um, but their bullpen in particular was horrible historically horrible last year um so 
I think there's only you can only go up from here. Um, I don't think they'll, they'll they will be that bad again. Um, I think they're just a little bit behind the pack in this division. I think a lot of teams are really starting to push forward and the Red Sox are kind of lagging a little bit. Um, so I don't think that they'll be super competitive this season. Um, but the good, this lineup is pretty solid. I think as, as I, you know, listed those guys and I was looking I'm like, that's a, I, I think that's a winning, a, a winning lineup. Um, they just, they're, I just think their pitching is not, is not nearly where it needs to be. Um, but it's the Boston Red Sox. They, they got the resources to uh, win and they can turn this thing around pretty quickly. Um, they've won four, uh, four world series in the two thousands for a reason. Um, th this team is very good uh, from the whole organization. Um, so don't look for them to be down for, for too long. I think they will be competitive this season, but I don't think, I think just the other, a few other teams in, the, in this division are, are too good. Um, so my projection is they'll, they'll finish with 82 wins. They'll finish right around 500 and, and finish fourth. Um, so we're going to go around the horn here and we're going to go with everyone's final standings. Um, I'll start with myself. Uh, I'm going to go with Yankees. Uh, we'll win the division followed by the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, third will be Tampa Bay Rays, fourth Boston Red Sox and bottom will be the Baltimore Orioles. Um, so Alex, let's start with you. What are your final standings for the AL East? I really want to pick the Blue Jays to win the division. Uh, I just don't think they're quite there yet. I think they need another pitcher. So I'm going to agree with the exact same order you just had, which is really fucking annoying. Um, <laughs> but, so yeah, Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, uh, Red Sox, Orioles. Eric, what do you got? Yankees, Jays, Rays, Orioles, Red Sox last again. Fuck them. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Trade in. What do you got? Uh, Yankees, Rays, Jays, Orioles, and uh, Red Sox. Okay. And James. Blue Jays, Red Sox, Yankees, Rays, and Orioles. Wow. wow. I think the Rays wow. will slip because they're too analytically driven. And I think that's going to be their downfall. You think the Red Sox are good enough to finish second? Yeah, dude. Uh, the Yankees are going to hit that injury bug again. And same thing I said about the Rays, like analytically driven. And then the Orioles just suck. So, yeah, Red Sox <laughs> will take that second spot. All right. I like it. Uh, baseball's back, everybody. I'm, I'm so excited that we're talking baseball again. Cannot wait for spring training to start. Uh, pitchers and catchers report on February 17th. We're going to be doing these uh, division previews. Uh, weekly here until the season starts so next week we'll be talking about the al central so looking forward to that one alex that's all i got all right tyler great job uh yeah i'm pumped for baseball we'll be back too uh helps when your team is the defending world champs hell sure. yeah baby um, just got trevor bauer what the heck man dude Ooh. Ooh, nasty is uh, that like bauer skates hockey yep yeah same guy same, yep. same guy same, yeah yep. same guy same guy. <laughs> um, but that's all we got for, uh, for today, everybody. Um, I want to thank the listeners again. Um, you know, you guys are what keeps us doing this. Um, again, reach out to us on social media, everything but Facebook. Uh, apparently there's TikTok too. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really onto that. But um, other than that, you know, everyone have a great weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you next time.